Hi, I'm Lisa Morton, founder of Roland Dransfield PR. Welcome to We Built This City. With this podcast, I wanted to shine a light on the people who have put the heart into modern Manchester. You can build a city with bricks and mortar, but it's the people that make Manchester great. And in this episode, I wanted to revisit one of those people, Barbara Jed King. Jed was my very first guest on We Built This City. He's a barber on a mission to end homelessness. Since we spoke, he's done a second TED talk and found himself in lockdown in Thailand. You're going to hear Jed's original interview and then you'll hear from him as I caught up with him online from Thailand. His team at School Phase in Sale sent out his tools to him so he could start training people to cut hair in the local communities in Thailand and to continue to help with homelessness there too. His mission has spread further, so I want to know how he's been getting on. But first, this is how it went with Jed when we recorded earlier this year. I want you to meet Manchester barber Jed King of School Fades Foundation. Jed and his tribe are known to many people as a team who give free haircuts on the streets of Manchester to people who found themselves without a home. Jed and I talked for hours on the phone early in the morning at night, making dinner while you're walking your dog, so it feels <laughs> a bit different today while we're sitting together here in the studio. Um, so just to start off, um, I wanted to ask you, how does cutting hair help homelessness? Well, the haircut is is irrelevant, really. I mean, it's just a, a tool um, to, to, to get an in with that person. Um, I always say, you know, if you walk over to a guy um, who's on heroin, for example, and he's sat in a doorway and he's down and he's depressed and he's thinking about all the things that have gone wrong in his life, and you ask him to get onto a drug programme, come and take advantage of what we've got to offer, he'll say no every time. You know, he won't want to know at all. He's totally disengaged. So this process that we've come up with um, literally changes somebody's physiology, changes their state, and state is everything. People in a bad state make bad decisions. People in a good state make better decisions, more in line with who they really are. So during the haircut, we do different things to change the physiology. We pull the shoulders back, we lift the chin up, as we comb the hair, as the hair's removed, as we clean off the dirt, and as our incredibly positive team affects each person in the chair, they literally change state. They remember who they are, and we can start to ask questions and, and, and prime them, really, um, for a positive outcome. We can ask them what we're going to do with this situation. We don't connect through sympathy. We don't give them sympathy because if we go to that dark place with them, it's detrimental to them. The brain will always give you an answer. Whatever you ask the brain, it will give you an answer, and sometimes it's not true. If you ask, why me? Why has this happened to me? The brain might say, because you know good, because life's paying you back for the mistakes you've made. You know, And these things might not be true, but that's what happens. So when we ask different questions, okay, this has happened, but what are we going to do with it? What can we do with it? What's in your control? Your brain will start to tell you a more positive answer. Um, so it's, it's a whole system now. The haircut's just a small part of it. It's just a tool to change that physiology, to make that person feel better, make them feel a bit more human. Um, but the, the beauty of the work is, is it's changing the state. For me, that's what it's all about, changing the state. And you've been very open about some of your struggles in the past. Obviously, I know you're in the forces before you came to be a barber. Can you tell me a bit about that part of your life and why you made the transition? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's funny she asked that question because last weekend I went to a, a wedding in Dorset and I did my tank training in Dorset. So while I was there, I revisited the old camp and it was crazy. I stood there for a couple of hours watching the recruits come in and out, these young guys. I was 17 last time I was there, and it was so surreal. 
it was so, so surreal. I was, I was literally in survival mode then. Now I, I class myself as a very conscious person and very aware. Um, I, I believe I've got a high level of awareness. But back then, I was just surviving, literally just surviving. And that's why I joined the army, to get out of um, where I came from. You know, and that was, that was the beginning of me becoming a successful person. You know, the, the army's a complex thing. So much of my brain doesn't agree with training these young lads to do the job they've got to do. But then the other half says, where would I be without the army? You know, I don't know where I'd be without the army because the army started to build the man I am now. You know, I, I, was, I had no self-worth, I had no confidence. I, I, was, um, I was living in a bad state. I was living in survival mode. And the army taught me so many things. It taught me to give me a uniform and I was this proud soldier and I was taught to march. I was taught to drive tanks and gun tanks. And then I found myself parachuting in Germany and ice climbing in Canada. And those experiences built self-worth. And I, I realised, well, I can actually be someone. I can actually do something with this life I've been given. And do you think that's helped you to encourage some of the young people that you've met while you've been talking to them on the streets? Absolutely. Absolutely, because um, I've been rock bottom in my life. I, I, I've been lower than you can possibly go. Uh, and now I'm, I'm a success, you know, to an extent. I'm, an, I'm a success. I've got a lot left to achieve. But in my own right, I'm successful when I compare myself to what I was and what I used to be. So I think that's valuable experience. You know, it's, you can't beat life experience. And when you've gone from having nowhere to live to being a business holder, you can show others how to do it. And I believe you've actually got a responsibility to show others. You know, otherwise, what's the point? What's the point in all that pain? What's the point in, in all those lessons? You know, it's for a reason. And the reason is you show others and you lift others up. You said that when you set up School Fades, which was a, a major achievement for you, you didn't think when you were younger that you'd ever have your own business. But even that huge achievement, you felt that there was something lacking that you expected to be a big party at the end of it, I think yep. you've said, and that made me <laughs> laugh because I think it was that wasn't an end result for you, was it? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember that clearly. You know, I, I wanted a business since I was 11 years old. I got my first job at 11, and, and the owner of that business um, was my first positive male role model. You know, he had a car and he had a house, and he conducted himself well. He communicated with me in a way that I wasn't used to. And I, re you know, I, I thought this guy's amazing. You know, I wanted to model him and behave like him and be more like him. But for me to get to where he was from where I was, it was such a long, it was such a long way to go. It was such a long journey. Um, but fast forward, you know, to, to, to when I opened School Fades, um, <clears throat> I'd got it. I'd, I had what he had. You know, <laughs> I had a nice place to live. I had, you know, a nice, a nice car and, and, and this business. And um, it, was, it was the most disappointing experience. <laughs> it was so disappointing because I had so much to be grateful for. And I couldn't understand it. I, could, I couldn't understand why I wasn't happy and why I wasn't fulfilled. It didn't make any sense to me and it drove me crazy. You know, I had to search. I thought, well, what is it all about? You know, I worked for so long to get here and now I'm here. It's, it's, it doesn't feel like I wanted it. I, I expected it to. So that's when I really started to look in and, and, and you know, go deep. I'm not a surface-level person. You know, I can't stand the surface-level small talk, chit-chat. You know, I, I like to go deep. And yeah. I think that's why most people are unfulfilled today because they're scared of going deep. You present all this surface-level 
crap because they're, they're scared of the, the deep stuff. Mm-hmm. That really scares them. Um, so I really went deep. <laughs> you know, I took myself off to the Lake District and, and, and I meditated and, and I thought, and, and I just thought and thought and thought, you know, what is this all about? And, and you know, pulled myself apart in many ways. Um, went to the places that people are scared to go to. And, and what I, got, I had several moments of clarity uh, during that trip. And one of them was it, it was, it was deeply upsetting for me to walk around our city. Yeah, that was, it was when it was just getting so bad in Manchester. And it was, it was just getting to the point, it was 2000, 2014, so it was, it was just getting to the point where people couldn't, people couldn't um, ignore it anymore. It was so clear, you know, there's somebody on every corner. So I decided I was going to do something about that. And all I, all I knew how to do then was cut hair. You know, I know how to cut hair. And, and we didn't go straight onto the streets. I, I offered our services in the shop for free. If you're homeless and you come into the shop, you can offer, you can, you can access our services for free. You can have free products, and and you know hopefully that we can we can chat and 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 direct you. You know that was the basic plan. Also, if you're unemployed and you've got a job interview, you're trying to help yourself. You can do the same and access our services for free. Have free products and good luck with your job. Yeah. And I'm proud to say we've got loyal clients now who took advantage of that offer and now they're in work and they keep coming back to us. So that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first guy that came in, he'd lived in a tent for two years. And he was a very smart shop, you know, if, you, if, you, if you've been living on the streets for a long time, you know, two years in a tent, you're not used to being in that environment. And he was really unsure when he was walking through the door, you know, really tentative as he was walking in. So we reassured him, he said, I've been told about this offer, is it okay? Yeah, of course, come in, come in, get the kettle on, boys, you know, make him a coffee. And we sat him down and gowned him up and, and he loved it. You know, he loved it, he had his eyes closed. I always remember he has his, his eyes closed most of that haircut and this smile on his face, and he just thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, he'd, he'd been sleeping rough in a tent for two years, no positive human interaction or contact, and, and, he, and he, he just he loved it. And, and he, you know, we shared stories, and I told him a bit about my life, and he told me about his life, and told me how he looks after himself, and told me what, what led to him being on the streets. And at the end of that haircut, he was so grateful. He was almost in tears, and I gave him a big hug, and, you know, it brightened his day up. But actually, I got m- much more out of that. You know, this void that I felt um, started to fill. And, I, I, and then it was another moment of clarity. You know, I've got to contribute. That's what, that's, that's, it was like a, the, the penny had dropped. You know, I'd been through all this stuff um, because I've got to contribute. You know, it's the only thing that makes sense to me when I look back on my life. The only reason I had to go through all that is so I can contribute to others. And and, and that was the start. You and know? That, that was the reason, that became the reason for you getting out of bed in the morning, not to have your own business. Absolutely. Mm. But the business Absolutely. is actually a platform to be able to make a difference. Yeah. The bit, I mean, it's funny. People, when we started this whole thing, when we started going out on the streets, we, had a, we, had a, we made a video um, to spread awareness and, and encourage others to help. And that video went viral, it got 10 million views, that first one. And we got so much negativity. You know, oh, you're using the homeless community to, to promote your business and all this kind of stuff. Um, but actually what it is with those people, they see somebody contributing and they've got that void in them mm-hmm. and it makes them feel uncomfortable. It gives them negative emotions, so they have to attack it. Um, but now it's, it's really taken over everything. I don't cut in the business anymore. Um, I'm, I'm, my life is the foundation 
that's it. There's nothing else for me. Uh, business isn't something I've got any drive for. You know, I want to drive the foundation and help and contribute to as many people as possible. Um, that's it for me now. That's absolutely it. So for all those people who said <laughs> that's what we're doing, you know, they're actually going to see in the next year or so, I'm going to give the business to the foundation and it'll be another shop that can train more people that are coming off the street and coming out of the care system. So well, that's a longer-term plan and my accountant's dealing with that, but, uh, but we're going to merge them. So then there only will be the foundation the business won't exist. But the business skills that you've learned setting that up in the first place are really important for you to teach the young people that are coming through the system, aren't they? Because ultimately yeah. they're going to be self-employed potentially. Yep. So it's not just about the technical ability to cut hair. It's also how they can look after their own finances, which is something that you've learned yourself. Yeah, well, uh, there's so much to the training. Um, again, just like the haircut's just one little piece of the machine, um, teaching them to be barbers is one little piece of the machine. You know, it's not enough to to give somebody accommodation and give them a job. It's not enough. That's why there's a revolving door system. They take, they take people, they put them into accommodation uh, and, and give them a job or a building site or whatever and, and end up back on the street. And, and it's clear to me why, you know, the support needs to be there. So we have tailor-made a personal development and mindfulness course and I'm teaching our guys all the stuff that I've learned over the years. I've done it the hard way because I've done it, I've done it myself and I've been to seminar after seminar, and I've read book after book, um, all personal development, and, I, and I've de developed those skills the hard way. But it doesn't have to be that way for the guys that are in the shop, because I've done the hard work now, and I can pass that on. They don't have to read all these books that I've read. They don't have to go to these seminars that cost a lot of money to attend. Um, I can give them, that, give them that knowledge, which is great. And that kind of knowledge is, is key to the guy's success. You create new neurological pathways in the brain. You create self-belief. And, and, and when people have got those skills, it's amazing what they can do. Aaron's a, Aaron's a perfect example. I'm so, so proud of Aaron. We met Aaron through cutting his hair for free. You know, he was homeless four months, 22-year-old lad. And, and when people become homeless, you're up against the clock before they start using hard drugs. So when they're newly homeless, it's the best time for us to get them because once they start on the harder drugs, it's, it's more difficult. Um, to bring them back. So we got Aaron, I believe, just in time. You know, four months is a long time, and he did very well to stay off, you know, hard drugs during that time. And um, he is the first guy now that, that's completed, you know, the training. And now he's a self-employed barber. He spoke on stage in London at a huge property conference, the Future of Real Estate, the EG Summit. And um, I, I can't explain how I felt seeing him up there. He He was... He was cutting the editor in chief's magazine, uh, the editor, editor in chief of EG Magazine's hair on stage and being interviewed about his story, and, and that's that's what gets me up. That's what gets me up in the morning because I was just so filled with pride and love and joy, you know, watching this kid. I remember when he was when he was homeless, yeah. and we we're cutting his hair for free, and he was so low, and everything was down. All his physiology, physiology was down, but on this stage, he was he did so well, and and. And now he's got a life, you know, and, and he said to me, I've just got nothing in common with, with these people anymore. And, you know, it's, it's, we're an average of the five people we spend the, most, spend the most time with, right? So some of these guys, their peer groups are, are no good for them. And, and what we're finding is as we're fulfilling the guys' needs in the shops, we're using positive vehicles in a positive way, they are moving away from the peer groups that are no good for them on their own. We're not telling them to, they're doing it on their own. 
And it's great. It's great to see. Aaron strikes me as a real um, future leader of yours. It's somebody that you kind of you kind of pass the baton on to, and Absolutely. he can, he'll have his own um, sphere of influence. Yeah. That he can take school fades to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he um, he said on stage actually. You know, he wants to be one of the best barbers in the country, which gives you an idea of his of his drive and his ambition. But he said his words. More importantly, I want to I want to teach more people who are in my position. So. It's great. This Sunday, we're out on the streets this Sunday and all the guys from the Stretford shop are coming out on their first street cuts. So these guys are going to be such powerful outreach workers because they've done it. You know, Aaron can say, well, I was here and look where I am now. He's wearing the Skullfades hoodie, he's wearing the Skullfades cap and he's earning great money. You know, he's going to have a good Christmas this year. I hope he's ready for how much money he's going to earn because <laughs> for barbers, it's, it's Christmas is a good time. Everybody has their hair cut. You know, so... Um, yeah, it's, it's a it's just such a, I'm so privileged to be involved with it. This is the We Built the City podcast, celebrating the Mancunians that built and continue to build this amazing city. I've been out on a street cut with you a couple of times and I have to say it's been without doubt one of the most humbling experiences of my life. You said that we've talked about it being more than a haircut, but it's about the trust because it's people like Aaron yourself um, have been there themselves, that the the people that you're talking to, they really trust you, and I, I see that trust. It's a very intimate moment, isn't it, when somebody's sitting down having the hair cut, and it's about the feeling special and cared for and listened to yeah. at that moment. Yeah, Does it, I mean, it's, it's people tell the barbers and the hairdressers everything. You know, touch creates trust, and we're touching the head. Um, but I always say that, I always joke that, you know, we've got sharp objects around the head as well. <laughs> We've got yeah. so many scissors around their ears, and you've got to trust us. <laughs> Somebody who's moving the scissors that quick around your head, you, you've got to just surrender to it, you know, and that's it. And I think that's actually part of it. Um, so, but it is, you know, it creates a bond. It's there, it's there 30, 40 minutes uh, in the chair with someone who's, who's willing to treat them like a human being and willing to listen, and, and, and somebody who understands. You've also educated me massively the last couple of years, and I, and I feel that also having been involved um, with Vincent Company's testimonial tackle for Manchester and, and um, Andy Burnham's bed every night, the feels that the city has become much more conscious and aware of the issue of homelessness, but less prejudiced about it. As you said before, it's somebody having a hard time. Mm-hmm. Perhaps now as a city understand more that, you know, for the grace of God, that could be one of our mum or dad or yep. our brother. So do you think that's changed? Have you seen that change since you've been uh, doing your work? Yeah, I've definitely seen it change. I mean, we had uh, BBC Three featured us in the Amazing Human series and that, that was viewed 26 million times. So, and that video sends the same message that we send when we're out on the streets. When we're on any part, of the, you know, any area of the city and we're cutting somebody's hair, and all these teams around them, and everyone's laughing and smiling, and the person in the chair is laughing and smiling. That sends such a strong message to the people walking past. You know, I observe the people walking past, and they, they smile and they stop and they watch and smile. And I believe that the message that sends is, look, these are part of our community too. These people are part of our community. You know, it's, it's, it's getting your arms back around them and involving them. You know, when they're sat on the floor, people are walking past and ignoring but we're lifting them up and putting them in this chair. And that says to everybody else, these guys are part of our community too. Um, so it's a strong message. It's a strong message. And, it was, and it's the same message when we go to the refugee camps. Um, it's the same message. You know, people's perceptions begin to change. So I hope that we've done our bit in that. 
there's so much to do going forward. I've got so many plans. You know, we're really only just getting started. But I, I hope with the amount of um, hits we've had online, for want of a better word, um, I hope that's, that's changed perceptions. Just recently, you launched a short documentary called Exiled, which is by Coaction Collective. We helped launch that. It's, it's incredible, very moving documentary of six months, really, of the School Fades um, vision and work. That's obviously now available on YouTube. Have you had some response to that already? Because that's such a powerful message. Yeah, the best the best response I've had to that is um, a friend of mine actually became homeless recently, um, somebody I served with in the army. And um, that, for me, is difficult because he, it's very personal. You know, I love this guy like my brother, and, and he's, he's had some awful things happen, and he's ended up on the streets of London. So we've been helping him and coaching him. I've offered him trade him offered him all sorts but he watched the documentary and he said I've been coaching him daily every day I've been on the phone speaking to him you know telling him what to do and you know we're guiding him where he should go and trying to change his mindset and he watched the documentary last night and he left me a voice note this morning which was like four minutes long and he said I can now see everything you've been telling me is true I can see that you've done it to yourself. I've been teaching him about self-love, loving himself first, making himself strong first, so then he can be strong for everybody else. Um, and he, he got it after watching the documentary. So that, for me, if that's, if that's solidifying my coaching, then it's, it's valuable. It's something that we can, we can show to, to lads we're helping in the future. Fantastic. You've had a lot of support from our Greater Manchester Mayor, Andy Burnham, who has been a consistent supporter of the work that you've been doing and to end homelessness in Manchester at the bed every night. And he's a very busy man. I know you spent a lot of time. He speaks to you while you're making dinner and stuff and early in the morning too. How do you feel that his support and backing of the work that you've done has made a difference to helping to end homelessness in the city? Well, I think, you know, firstly, the work Andy Andy Burnham's done is, is amazing. You know, there's, there's 400 people in the bed every night now. That, that would be on the street. And I think everybody needs Andy Burnham. Um, but in relation to school fades, you know, he's an incredibly, incredibly busy man. Uh, and he takes the time to um, support us. You know, he's opened two shops now for us. He introduced our, our premier. Um, he's been out on the streets with us a couple of times, been out on street cuts. And, and he spoke at a boxing event where I raised the money for the shops. You know, I boxed to raise the money for the shop. And, and he spoke in the ring before that. And I, I think, you know, the charity world can be complicated. And there's a lot of competition. People compete and there's a lot of jealousy. And, and for me, I just think, you know, the, the charity exi- charities exist to serve the people. You know, they exist to help, help your client group. Mine exists to help people coming off the street and to prevent homelessness. That's what that's what my charity does. And if your charity does the same, let's work together and solve it. Um, but there's, unfortunately, there's a lot of um, people that think, there's a lot of dinosaurs in the system, people that people think the charity exists to serve them and provide them with a living. You know, I don't see it like that at all. Um, so I think for those people, Andy's given us credibility, you know, because I was I was literally laughed at in the beginning. I was laughed at, and the people, and some of the people that that were laughing at me then, now they want to work with us. So that's how you do it, you know. <laughs> that's how you do it. With consistency in time, but but yeah, I mean, for those people, I think Andy's done um, 
an amazing job of giving us credibility because he stood beside us and said, I support this work. I've been out on the street. I've seen how it affects people. And, and, and that is so valuable because he's, um, he's the mayor. You know, he's the mayor and I'm just a kid off an estate. So no one's going to listen to me, like, just on my own. But, but with, you know, he's part of the tribe. I'll tell you who wanted to listen to the kid off the estate, Vincent Company. <laughs> so, former um, Manchester City captain who chose to dedicate his testimonial to a bed every night and to raise uh, money for Manchester's homeless community. You spent quite a bit of time with Vincent and his wife, Carla, who came out on some of the street cuts. So he wanted to be educated by you and the work you've done. So, and do you think that made a difference as well, having somebody as high profile Absolutely. as him behind... Work. Absolutely, you know, and, and and all those people have got a a profile and a, and a position, you know, a high position in society. That comes responsibility, you know, they're, they're able to make social impact, real social impact, and they're able to create sustainable change. People in those positions, Vincent did an amazing job, and and, and he's set the bar now for others, and and I believe you know there are others starting to follow in his steps now. So it's great because all those people have got responsibility. You know, the world's changing. The world's changing. It's not about what you can get. It's always been about what you can get. But life is about what you can give. If you're loving We Built This City, please could you take the time to leave a five-star review on your podcast platform? Thank you. Let's talk about tribes. I've adopt this word, um, having worked with you. And I'm just reading Seth Godin's book, Tribes, because I've been hugely impressed by your ability to galvanise people, people around you. And I know that you, we talk, one of our principles at Roland Dransfield is leaders create leaders. Um, in the book, Seth says that humans are wired to unite and for, form tribes. Um, and you've always called your guys, your team, your tribe, you say uh, real knows real. So is that um, does, is that something you have to work on or does it come organically? What's the magic ingredient? I think um, the magic ingredient for any tribe is is uh, a common goal, you know, something you care about, passion. You know, you, you, your tribe has to be passionate about uh, a shared goal. So for me, my tribe was attracted, most of them. You know, people attracted by the work we were doing. I, I set the precedent. I you know, went out and doing street cuts and we made a video and it went viral. And then people who felt something, people who were moved by that video, started to come. A tribe for me is a feeling. You know, you know, that's why I say real knows real. Yeah. If you care about that goal and somebody else does, you know it. You know it. If somebody's just, you know, oh, yeah, well, I care about it. And if they're not genuine. It's, you can see it. Mm. You can see it. I'm very privileged <laughs> to be in your WhatsApp group and that keeps me going. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, when I read some of the messages, amazing. Yeah, you're very much part of the tribe and, and, and such a, uh, a key member of the tribe. You know, you've opened so many doors for us and made so many things happen for us that just never would have been possible without you and your organisation. And, and it's, that's, you know, you are so valuable to the tribe. You are, you know, from the bottom of my heart, you really are. Manchester, Manchester born and bred. This of podcast is We Built This City. So what about this city are you so passionate about? I think Manchester's got a, 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 a wonderful sense of community. You know, our symbol says it all, the worker bee. You know, it's, 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 we see it when, when, unfortunately, we see it most when tragedies happen. You know, during the Manchester attack, we, um, we gathered our tribe and, and 
and you know took the resources we had food and, and water and stuff and, and we were handing that out to people who um were looking for family members and and you know uh, members of the emergency services that, are, that didn't have a break you know so um during that we really saw what manchester is you know because we we're in the city and the whole city came together and and the, the diversity we've got you know every all different um races religions they all came together that day and and, and those things are designed to tear us all apart well manchester's answer was no we're all going to get together every member of the community we're all going to get together right in the heart of the city and celebrate you know us and what we are and coming together and we're all going to help each other and that was really beautiful to see and, and it's in line with our symbol that we could be and you've got obviously lots of Manchester graffiti in the shop, I think, so I know it's important to you. Um, and you're also, you call your gorgeous daughter Annabelle B, don't you? That's your... Yeah, my little B. <laughs> <laughs> my little Manchester B, that's what she is, yeah. <laughs> and how does she inspire you to carry on when you're having those down days? Oh, well, I mean, they just make everything go away, don't they? You know, so when she walks over and says, Daddy, I want a duddle. <laughs> you know, she can't say cuddle yet, so she says duddle. Daddy, I want a duddle. And that's a give her a cuddle. Nothing else matters, does it? You know, when you're with your toddler, there's, there's nothing else on this earth, you know. So um, she's, you know, she's my why, really. Uh, I mean, I've got an incredible amount of pull. So uh, when people do a job and the push, it's pushed. They've got a push to get themselves out of bed and push to get themselves to a play, place of work. If they're doing a job they're not really passionate about. But when you've got a passion for something and purpose, you're pulled. I'm pulled out of bed. I'm pulled onto the streets. You know, it's my purpose. It's a different feeling. So I've got that. And I'm very lucky to have that. But she's really, you know, my why. And why I have to keep myself strong and why I have to keep progressing in every area of life. You know, with my own emotions, with my own spirituality, with my own finances, I have to keep moving forward and progressing and getting to a better position and better position so I can be better for her. You talk about purpose a lot, and obviously, as you know, at Roland Dransfield, we changed the PR to purposeful relationships. Uh, we have 15 principles of how we live professionally and personally. And I just wondered which one of the ones that you, we've shared with you um, spoke most loudly to you. I really love leaders create leaders. Um, it's 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 very easy to become a leader and, and tell everyone what to do, and you know you'll do what I say because I'm I'm above you, I'm above you, I'm in charge, and that really is a negative vehicle to to fulfil the need of significance. We all need to feel significant, and when people behave like that, um, that's all they're doing. They might not be bad people, but if they're saying you'll do what I say because I'm above you, it's a negative vehicle to fulfil the need of significance. So I think. When you can lift people up and create a leader, it's a really positive vehicle to create to, to fulfil the need of significance because that makes me feel significant. When I've watched Dan, who is the manager of the Stretford shop, he was brought up in the care system and he was um, he went to jail after that, you know, at a young age, and, and he learned barbering in jail. Um, Dan is a, a wonderful leader. You know, it'd be, it'd be easy for me to go into that Stretford shop and say, right, you do it this way and you do it that way because that's what I say because I'm above you all. But no, you know, that's um, BS. Mm. You know, the, the, the right way to do it is to create another leader. So I'm working closely with Dan on a one-on-one -on -one basis, you know, showing him how to lead. And he's making distinctions that I can't make. You know, you create a leader, they're more, they're more powerful than you are because they're, they're their version of it. And it's amazing to see that. 
It's amazing to see that. You're giving, you're giving him ownership of that shop and letting him make his own decisions. He's, he's made some amazing decisions. And, and, and you know, it, it makes me very proud to, to, to see him function like that. That's wonderful because you actually then learn from other people yourself as a leader and I think you never stop uh, learning. And yep. being a, a learner, not a knower, is important. Yep. I think, the, I think the, the height of wisdom is knowing that we know nothing. <laughs> well said. So how can Manchester help? I mean, how, where can we follow you and where can we find out more about your work? On kind of, you've obviously got lots of social media platforms. So what's the best place to find more information? I think, I think all the information is on our website, schoolfacefoundation.co.uk. Um, you can follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, follow us on LinkedIn and, and Facebook. Um, there's a lot of content on there. We post a lot of pictures and videos, uh, a lot of stories. And you can keep up with the guys' progress, you know, the guys going through the system. So um, people can help by sharing, sharing the work and supporting in that way. That costs nothing. You know, everybody can do that. And it all helps because you don't know who's going to see that post and then go, well, actually, I'm going to support. Um, so support by sponsoring a chair as an individual, £20 a month, corporate package, 500 a month. Um, oh, give us a unit. <laughs> give us a unit and let us, let us change some more lives. So that was Jed talking about his aims for School Fade Foundation at the beginning of the year. And at the end of February, he did his second TED talk in Manchester, got on a plane to Thailand for a well-earned break, and then the pandemic hit. So here we are nearly five months later on video call. Jed, how's Thailand? It's, it's amazing. I can't, I can't lie about that. It is amazing. Um, it, it's, straight, it's also strange. Um, it's, it's not how Thailand normally is. It's very, very quiet. Um, there's a lot of people struggling here too. Uh, and the pandemic's hit in a very different way here. Um, where I am on Koh Samui, there's zero cases of COVID. Um, but there's not very many tourists. And, and obviously Koh Samui being such a small island, it relies on tourism. Um, so the people, most, most people are unemployed and, and the people are really struggling. So you got your tools flown out to you, didn't you, pretty soon after lockdown, as soon as you could get them out there. And you've taken the whole premise of school fades into Koh Samui to Thailand already. What have you been up to? So we started volunteering with a charity called Sisters on Samui. Uh, and they do 5,000 meals a week and feed the people here. You know, so we started volunteering, with, um, setting up the lunch packs, setting up the... the um, the bags, they, have, they do the three meals in each bag and, and they distribute 5,000 of those um, every week. So we started helping packing the bags and handing out the food. And, and I got to know the, the founder, Yvonne, she's a lovely woman. And, and um, I told her about my organization in the UK. So she said, well, why not, you know, come and do it here? So we went into the villages um, first and cut for some of the Burmese community that are really, um, really living in poverty. And we did free haircuts there and do, you know, we did exactly what we do on the streets of Manchester. And I, I think it was great. It was great. Yeah, the pictures were lovely, actually. Um, yeah. And all the things that I've seen when I've been on street cuts with you in terms of how people state changes when you cut the hair, I could see that on the faces and those photographs that you sent over. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's ever happened here uh, in the villages. And, and, and the response was really, really lovely. Really lovely. You know, it was, it was the same changing people's state. You know, we went into this, this little village and everything's kind of made out of, used like signs to build the houses and corrugated steel, is it? Pretty poor living conditions. But it was, it was great, you know, a few haircuts in, you know, people are laughing and smiling. You know, the people have their haircut, we changed their state and, and it, was, it, it was lovely, it was really lovely. And so is it your plan to do more of that work while you're out there? Yeah, I want to do as much as possible. It's, it's, it's a bit of a gray area really because 
a foreigner in Thailand, you can't actually cut hair. I mean, I'm doing it for free. I'm not doing it for money. So uh, I've just got to try and stay on the right side of the rules and, and, and just be careful with it. Um, I want to, you know, stick with Sisters on Samui and do it under their umbrella. Um, so whenever they need me, I'm ready. And obviously, School Fades Foundation and the shopping, the barbers in sales up and running again after lockdown. How are the guys getting on there? Because on our last conversation, we talked about leaders create leaders. And obviously, you set yeah. up a really great leadership team there. So they seem to be doing really okay without you. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, that's, you know, I know that's your input, Lisa, at your place. And, and we've tried to, to adopt that. And, you know, Damo is, is a brilliant leader now. He's, he runs that shop just like I would run it. Dan's great as well. He's a brilliant leader. And he's running that the shopping strip probably better than I would run it. So it's really nice to see the boys cracking on without me. That's one of the things I wanted to achieve: create these leaders and allow them to run the show at home um, without me. You know, whether whether I'm there or not. If I was in Manchester, you know, they'd still be running. I've not actually worked in the shops um, full time as a barber since October last year. It was happening before I came out here. Quite confident and comfortable with the lads running the shops and, and, and doing, doing a good job. And in lockdown in Manchester, all the street homeless community were, were housed in that period, weren't they? Is it possible for your team to carry on the work that they're doing now, given that kind of change situation with COVID? Well, we've actually got a street cups uh, booked in for the end of this month. I mean, we've got to, you know, use the right PPE and, you know, um, just adopt the rules that we use in the shop. You know, using disposable gowns in the shop, we check everybody's temperature, we've got the temperature guns. Um, the guys wear the visors and a mask, and the client has to wear a mask. So we just adopt that with street cuts. You know, the guys should still be able to receive our services on the street, but we're taking the masks out with us. We'll use disposable gowns. We'll check the temperature before they get in the chair on the street um, and just do exactly what we do in the shop, but on the street. And so what's your plan in the future for Thailand? Are you, are you thinking that you're going to kind of try and do that work out there with the, with the charity that you're working with, or are you coming back over here? Well, I don't know, is the honest answer. I don't know. I mean, I had my flights cancelled um, and, you know, friends of mine, one of my friends have six flights cancelled now. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting to see when I can get back. I've got to come back at some point. I've got to come back and, and sort things out. I mean, I've had five months here now and I've had time to plant my feet a little bit. You know, I've been, I've been keeping myself busy and, and, and I've met so many people here and there's a real need um, for a school phase Thailand. So I really want to do that. But it's, it's all very great. I mean, they're talking about the second wave now. If everything gets shut down again, I don't know what's going to happen. There's so much uncertainty for everybody. So I'm kind of just taking it day by day, making plans in my head. You know, nothing solid yet. But I would absolutely love to set up in Thailand. I would love to. And, and continue to work in Thailand. As long as the guys can continue to run in England. And, and, there's no, and they're doing that now. There's no reason why they can't. Uh, we can do all sorts. We can set up like an exchange program. The guys can come over from England and do some training with the guys in Thailand. Um, we can have a, an iPad in the shop, you know, linking the two shops, and we can train the guys over here um, online. My guys in the shops in England, and my clients in England can see the clients here and see the barbers here being trained over the internet. You know, so there's a lot we can do. Uh, it's, it's limitless, really. I think with our work. So as long as we've got the right people there, we've got things I want to do, but I don't think anybody can make real solid plans at the moment because who knows what's going to happen. Well, you seem to be having a good time and you're feeding a lot of elephants. You don't look at any to come back. <laughs> you know, obviously we've talked about your, uh, it feels to me that you're always on a, a journey. You've, the whole of your life on a journey. And this, you know, I spoke to you two hours before you go into the airport and you told me you 
you'd pack in your bags, you booked it at two o'clock in the morning and you were going and you felt a real draw to Thailand because there'd be a couple of times that you should have gone in the past and you didn't get there for personal reasons. And for me, it feels like you found your spiritual place. Um, and you're there for lots of people all the time. I mean, you, you know, the work that you do, that must be very, it must weigh heavy a lot of the time in terms of the fact that you, you know, I know that at times you feel depleted for all the work you do. Has this been, have you felt kind of really nourished by Thailand, this, taking this time out and having some time for yourself to reflect? It's, it's been amazing. I mean, I was, before I came out here, I was at a real, real low point. And, and not many people know that because I'm, I'm always so positive and I always present a really positive side of myself. I don't let people see that generally. I had some personal problems, had a relationship breakdown, had some other things go wrong. You know, when you're dealing with other people's problems, it, it's heavy anyway. It's heavy dealing with, you know, some really serious issues that people are going through. But then when you get your own personal problems, it becomes 10 times harder. And, and, and I was in a, in a really low place. I was so low. And when I look back now, I don't even recognize that person. You know, I'd just done... TEDx Manchester the second one and that was great and that kind of took everything out of me then and, and, and my mate uh, said to me I met up with my mate and he said look you're going away he said you're going away that's it um, he said I've seen you know, watch you now for the last eight months run yourself into the ground he said you need a holiday you're going away so I did and I booked it and I, I don't watch the news you know I've not watched it for three years I mean I've watched it a bit during Covid um, just to catch up but before that I wasn't informed on how bad the situation really was. I heard about something in Italy, um, but as far as I was, I was concerned, I was going to go on a two-week break and come home. Um, but four days after getting to Thailand, it, it, everything shut down. I was in Phuket at first, had four days in Phuket, which was lovely. And then that shut down and it got quite heavy in Phuket. There was a lot of military, a lot of police, and it felt quite unsafe. So then I moved to Krabi and then a day later, the same thing happened there. So I thought, right, I've still got, you know, I've still got five days until we fly home. I need to get somewhere safe. So Koh Samui had zero cases. So I thought, right, I'll go to Koh Samui. And I went to Koh Samui, um, and my flight got cancelled anyway. The island got locked down. They weren't allowing anybody on or off the island. Uh, there was a curfew on the island. They wanted to really preserve um, the zero cases on, on the island, you know. So, and I've been here ever since. Um, and I've just been trying to make the most of it, you know, like, like contributing, contributing a bit, not as much as I do at home, but it's, it's been quite nice. It's been on my terms. Everything at home, it's all the responsibility lies with me. Um, and that can be quite stressful, you know, organising our winter events and even organising the street cuts, you know, all the food and all the volunteers and, and all the barbers, where we're going to go. It can be quite stressful. So it's been nice volunteering with another organisation and just turning up and being a volunteer and then going home, you know, without the responsibility. That's been really nice. One of the biggest lessons I've learned on this journey is it's okay to do things for me. You know, I was everything for everybody else and nothing for myself at home. And that's why I got really um, down in a hole. I've really learned during this experience to, to do things for myself. And if I want to do something for me, then that's okay. And do you feel that you've come under any criticism because you are somebody who's out there, yeah. invisible, doing stuff for people? I, I, I know the answer to that. I know that you've had some detractors and people have said you should be back in Manchester. You should be here. This is where you belong. How have you dealt with that? Um, well, I don't know, everybody's got an opinion, hasn't they? You know, and, and, you know, some of the people that have, some people have really turned on me, you know, and said, you know, things like, oh, you just, you just run away at a bad time and all this. It's simply not true. You know, they don't know. I, I, I don't explain myself to people. You know, if somebody wants to form an opinion without talking to me, 
turn against me like, that's fine. You know, you do that. I'm not going to explain myself. I've really found out who your real friends are, you know, during this experience. Um, because there was a lot of people that were associating themselves with school faith and with me. What they can get, you know, they can get something out of it, even if it's just positive association. And my good friends are the ones who I'm so happy for you. You deserve a break, you know. Um, and, I, and I think I did deserve a break. You know, I didn't know I was going to get locked down for so long, but I did deserve a break. 100% deserve a break. So it's funny, isn't it? People react uh, without thinking sometimes. Some of the people that have kind of turned on me for, for deciding to come out of here, it's all right. It's all right. I'm sure they'll get over it. That you say you know your friends are, don't you? Absolutely. And those that, that keep in touch. So when do we think you're going to see you then? Because my son needs a haircut and he's, I'm not letting him come over to Thailand <laughs> to get one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the visa situation is, is complicated here at the moment. You know, I was looking at opening a, a shop here, but the Thai government aren't issuing work, work permits for anybody at the moment. They've extended visas until the 26th of September. We've technically got to be out by then unless they change the rules again. But I mean, Thailand, things change so quick. But we'll see, I would imagine, maybe the end of this month, maybe, maybe September, early September or the end of September. But once people can actually start leaving, then once I know I'm going to book a flight and get home, that's when I'll book a flight. Because it's just all my friends here now. You know, had, like I said, you know, one of my friends had six flights, but another couple that I know, they're trying to get back to France, and had seven, seven flights cancelled. So there's no point at the minute. You know, I don't, want to, I don't want to keep booking flights and booking flights and having them cancelled. You know, when I know I can get home, that's when I'll come home. Well, obviously, your team are doing a brilliant job without you anyway, and, and I mean that in a good way. And I see them around sale, and they all seem to be kind of busy, and they've always got a smile on their face. So you've done a great job there, Jed. But we do miss yeah. you. I can't wait to see you. No, um, I, miss you. I miss you, Lisa. Really yeah, good. absolutely. Well, you've, you've been phoning me, you've been WhatsApping me in some of my, my, most, my darkest moments when I've been stuck on a Zoom call or something. I think he's there feeding those <laughs> elephants, and he's just... <laughs> I can't speak to you so I've missed you but yeah look forward to seeing you again soon and good luck with everything else out there Jed yeah. alright thanks Lisa take care Jed King has helped build this city by inspiring people out of homelessness by giving people the chance to have a fresh start and he keeps on making life about what you can give rather than what you get we built the cities out every Thursday when you'll hear more stories from the Mancunians born, bred or adopted that put the heart into modern Manchester. This is a podcast from Roland Dransfield PR. Our mission is to build purposeful relationships in all we do. If you want your company to be part of that, give us a call on the number we've always had. 0161 236 1122.